We'll invite everyone to stand and worship. It's great to see everyone. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. And I've heard tender whispers of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and I never, never It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're good, good father. And I've seen many searching for far and wide and I know that we're all searching for answers only you can provide cause you know just what we need before we we say a word you're good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are It's who I am, your good, good father. And I'm loved by you. You are perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. You It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am.
God has robbed the rain. 
You're the God of miracles. Just proclaim it. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of We began last week a, a, a new series. It's a character study on the life of Daniel. And I love his story. And uh, the fact that we're talking about him some 25, 2600 years later tells us that Daniel was a man of influence. Daniel was a man who, who stands as a testament and a, an example for us to follow even in today's, um, in today's culture. So last week we began with a message called uh, Take a Stand for God. And we looked at Daniel's life and how he um, took a stand for God, even in a culture that was not conducive uh, for his faith in his God. He was in a culture that was pushing him into a corner saying, you need to um, submit to our ways. You need to conform to uh, the pattern that's before you. You need to basically sit down and, and shut up. And they're changing his name. They're changing his training. But even in the midst of that culture... Um, Daniel stood up and he knew when to take a stand for God. And that's so important for us to understand today. And so like last week we talked about him being in a physical Babylon. I think it's, it's, it's wise for us to realize that we as followers of Christ live in, in a world that's not our own. We're foreigners in this world. We're here as temporary residents. And much like what Daniel experienced in Babylon, with all the, the friction and the pushback, we too will experience as well. And so we live in a spiritual Babylon, if you will. And so the series, uh, the, the series is called When in Babylon. How do, how do we live our lives even when we're in the midst of a place like Babylon? And so today's message um, is called Make an Impact. Make an Impact. And I'd like for you to, to bow your heads with me and let's pray one more time. Father, we know that this is your word, and your word is where the power is at, not mine. Lord, I'm just a vessel. I don't have it all figured out. Lord, I could have a spit and shine, polished sermon today, but Lord, without your work or your Holy Spirit, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to fall flat, and I don't want that. Lord, I want to be changed by your word. I want this church to be changed by your words. So, Father, as we share today from your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work, and you would bring conviction where we need conviction Lord, you would confirm things that we need confirmed in our hearts. And Lord, that you would speak to us where we're at and what we need to hear today. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in Daniel's life this example. And just to remind you, Daniel was somewhere between the ages of 15 and 20 when he, along with several other people, were taken captive to a foreign land several hundred miles away from their home. And it's there in that culture that Daniel shined, and as I said, we talk about him um, a, a lot. And uh, he made a huge impact, not only on the people around him, but even on the kings that he, he served. How many know that we as followers of Christ are supposed to also make an impact? Um, the Bible says it this way, uh, you are a light that's supposed to shine on a hill. Nobody lights a light and puts it under a bushel, but we put it on a, on a stand for all to see. And he says, therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of his coming. I may have mixed up a couple verses there, but you get the idea, right? That he wants us to live lives of influence. He wants us to make an impact even when we are in a culture that is not conducive for that. It's easy to say, hey, I want to change my world when things are going well. It's easy to say I want to make an impact in my family when the family's all good. 
It's easy to say I want to make a difference in school or in my politics or in my country or my, my, my community in the school whenever everything is going well, but it's a whole other thing to do it whenever there's a little bit of friction or when things seem impossible. And yet that's where we find Daniel today in the text. He is in the middle of an impossible situation, and yet he makes a huge impact for God. So what was going on in Daniel chapter 2, I'll kind of give you a, 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 a launching point, and we'll jump in at about verse 14. So Nebuchadnezzar is the king, and this says in the second year of his reign, so this is now 603 B.C., about that time, he has this series of dreams. It says dreams plural because I believe he had this one nagging dream that just kept coming over and over and over again, and it was bothering him. It was bothering him so much that he wanted to bring the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers all together who were known for interpreting dreams. And he brings them in and he says, I need to know not only what is the meaning of the dream, but I need to know what the dream is. Now he did this because some scholars say he was starting to doubt whether those guys were giving him good counsel. Were they speaking for God? And so he's doubting if these guys are telling me what's going on, here's a test. I will have them tell me what the dream is because if they're good at telling me what's going to happen in the future, sure they can tell me what the dream was too. And so he puts out there, here's what I need. I need you to tell me what my dream was. Now how many know that would be an impossible situation? So naturally, the magicians, the, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers, uh, they said, okay, king, tell us what you dreamt, and then we will tell you what it means. And he says, the king said to those guys, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. He replies again, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind, but tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologer replied again, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. It's just impossible. It can't be done. And no king, however great or powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, and astrologer king. You're the only one. The king's demand is impossible. Say impossible. So he said, the king's demand is impossible. No one can do this. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among the people. King, what you're asking is impossible. The only one that could possibly tell you what your dream was are the gods, and they're not even connected with us. They don't live among the people. This is a hopeless situation. It's an impossible situation. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You've gotten into an impossible situation or a hopeless situation. It looks like there's no way out. I've got good news for you. What might be impossible for man is not impossible for God. And as you see in this story, God shows up in a, in, in a, in a big time, in a hopeless situation. But the focus of this study is on the character of Daniel, how he conducted himself. Now, how many of you know whenever you're in a situation like that, it feels like a, a hopeless situation, we can respond in a good way or we can respond in a bad way. I mean, we may make an impact in a negative sense, and like we're, we're, somebody's looking at us, and we're, we're saying we're followers of Jesus Christ, 
We believe in God and we trust in God and yet we go into an impossible situation where it seems hopeless and all of a sudden we're running around like, ah, I don't know what to do. We're freaking out. How many know that can have a negative impact on those that are looking to us? They're like, hey, dude, that's the pastor and he's freaking out. I probably should be worried now. This is someone who says they have a great faith, but they're responding in a way that is impacting me in a negative sense. I'm like, uh, if they're freaking out, I mean, should we all also think that maybe God can't come through? Maybe God can't hear and answer our prayer. So you can respond in a negative way, amen? I said you can respond in a negative way. Amen, right? But you can also respond in a positive way. So there's a right and a wrong way. There's one that might be dangerous, and there's another way that might be safe. And I, and I want to use that little acronym uh, this morning to share with you what Daniel did and what we can do if we want to respond in a situation. We want to make an impact in our culture, even when it's not conducive for that. Even when things seem impossible, hopeless, how we can also make an impact. Before we do that, let me just say this. The word impact is also influence. And we know how important influence is in the culture. It's the capacity and power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, opinions, etc. of other people. We want to live lives of influence, right? Daniel had influence on those uh, around him. And so I would just say this. It's easy to talk the talk. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you believe God's good? Let me just, a couple questions. God is good. How many believe there's nothing that's impossible for God? How many believe that God's faithful? He's merciful. He's forgiving. All those things. Yes, we believe those things. Yet when we get into a situation from time to time, we might live our lives in a way that, that, that reflects the opposite of that. It doesn't exude faith or confidence. It's like doubt, fear, and we're, and we're freaking out. And so it's easy to talk the talk, but it's a whole other thing to walk the walk. Now, I've been with people in the hospital before, good, faithful people. And I remember my counselors just saying, hey, listen, this is what we talk about all the time. As Christians, we trust God. We believe God. He is our hope. He is our strength. And so this is the time when we need to exercise it. This is the time when we flesh it out. I mean, it's easy in the church to say this, but when, we, when the feet hit the floor and we're in the middle of a situation that is, that is hard, that's whenever it really makes sense and it's when it really counts, Right? And so it's, it's easy to talk the talk, it's harder to walk the walk, and so there's a right way and a wrong way, or there is a safe way to make an impact, especially in an impossible situation. So let's look at that. Safe, the word S. I want to say this, seize the moment. You may say, Shane, what does seize got to do with anything? Well, the word seize means to grasp mentally. It means to understand clearly and completely. Um, you might put self-control there. But before he exercises self-control, he grasps in his mind, and he's able to control his thoughts. Someone has said wisdom is the ability to say the right thing, and tact, or discretion, is the ability to say it the right way. And so back to the story, the king has made this decree that all of the astrologers, magicians, and all these people are going to be killed because they can't interpret a dream. And so it says... Because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel's right there in the middle of an impossible situation, and yet it says in verse 14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. 
self-control. He seized the moment. He grasped in his mind how he should respond, and he knew the right thing, and he knew how to say the right thing, even when the man was coming to kill him because of the king's decree. How many of you know people that don't handle panic situations like that? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to look at your spouse. But the reality is there's a lot of people that, you know, something like that happens, you're like freaking out. End of the world, we're, we're just, ah, we're doomed. And yet we see with Daniel this ability to just seize the moment. He, he understood in his mind, his understanding, what he needed to do. And he handled that situation very maturely. Remind you, he's 15 to 20 years of age. How many know that's important? In fact, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 11 says, Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. We need some discretion. We need wisdom when we face impossible situations. We need to seize the moment. We need to exercise self-control. Secondly, after that, we need to ask God. Notice the next thing he does. It says, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. It says, Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dreamt meant. So, hey, we just need more time. And the very next thing that he did, I think is important for us too, if we want to respond um, in, in a way that's going to have influence and make an impact, is he went and he asked God. How many know we have not because we ask not? Many times we'll approach a situation and we try to figure it all out in our flesh and our own strength and our own abilities, and we use prayer as a last result. Like, I've done everything I'm going to do, now I'm going to pray. How many know we should flip that around and pray first? The first thing Daniel does, his wisdom says, hey, this is an impossible task. No one on earth can do it, so we need to probably pray about this. And so it says that Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. He urged them to ask, say ask. So he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon, how many know it's important for us to pray? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and we hear it all the time. Yes, Shane, I know, pray. But I'm saying to ask God specifically. Don't you know, Daniel went before God and said, God, we've got an impossible thing ahead of us. The king has made a decree that he's going to kill all of us because we can't interpret. We, not, not, not only interpret, we can't tell him what the dream was in the first place. So, God, would you do us a favor? Would you give us your, your grace, you show us your mercy, and would you just tell us what the king dreamt? Would you tell us what the dream was? And it says that night, verse 19, the secret was revealed to Daniel. Say Daniel. Who was it revealed to? Okay, that's going to be important in a minute. It was revealed to Daniel in a vision, not a dream. But God showed him in a vision what the dream was and what it meant. It says, then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. Amen. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king Demand. But if you're taking notes, we seize the moment, then we ask God, and, then, and here's the, the F of the safe. Are you ready? Flatter. 
God. Saying is flattery good? Well, here's some synonyms for the word flatter. Glorify, praise. I like this one. Lay it on thick. <laughs> Ladies, have you ever had somebody flatter you? They're laying it on thick. And that's what Daniel does. Listen, let, let me just remind you, they're not out of the woods yet. There's still a decree, right? And, and before everything is changed, they're still in the midst of, a, of an impossible situation. Daniel goes and he prays. God gives him the answer to his prayer, and they begin to praise. Here's a very important truth for us to get today. Praise precedes victory. You consider church sometime in the worship, the praise and worship section of what we do. We, we're worshiping God, and it feels like there's just a heaviness sometimes. And we're thinking, Shane, if God would just do something to, to, to make me want to praise, then I'm, I'm willing to praise. But I wonder sometimes if we've got that backwards. In fact, I, I read a, a bulletin years ago that said there's a church that had no electricity, and they were canceling the services, and the announcement was this. There will be no praise and worship tonight because there is no power. I think in America today we could flip that around. There will be no power because there is no praise and worship. Come on, church. And so I believe praise precedes victory. You know what it does? It exudes confidence. It exudes faith that God is the one that's in control. You need another example? In 2 Chronicles, a man named Jehoshaphat, he, he found out all these kingdoms were coming against them. And he hits his knees and he, and he prays. And he says he does this really radical thing the next morning. The next morning, he, he appoints the choir. He said, all right, you guys that are singers, I need you to step up to the front. You're going to walk in front of the army. Say, what? I'm not in the choir anymore. I quit. But he put the choir in front of the army, and they begin to march to battle. You know what they were saying? The battle's not ours. It's God's. He's got this. We only need to praise him for what he's already done. That's faith. I feel like we need to, to get that lesson today in our own lives. When you're handling an impossible situation, spending time asking the Lord and then praising him in advance for what he has not yet done is an act of faith. It's say, like, God, I know you got this. God, I know you're in control of this, and you're worthy. There's nothing too difficult for you. Amen? So seize the moment, ask God, and then flatter God, because I believe praise demonstrates faith. And lastly, I'll say, and this is important, exalt God. The word exalt means to raise in rank, honor, or power. Now, I want you to consider something for just a moment. Daniel's in an impossible situation, something that no one is capable of doing. He recognizes that, but he handled himself with discretion and with wisdom. And he goes to prayer. He goes and he asks his friends to pray. God answers his prayer and he praises. All this is great right up to this point, right? And so now, how many of you know most 15 to 20-year-old men on this next part would, would blow it? Let, let me explain. So after he interprets the dream, it says, Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise man of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill these wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell the meaning of his dream. All right? Now, now this is interesting. You're, you're going before the king who's threatened to kill you. And, and here's a very important truth for us to grab a hold of as well. Uh, you know, we said praise precedes victory. Here's another one. When you kneel before God, you can stand before anyone. 
When you spend time in prayer, kneeling before God, you can stand even before kings. And Daniel did that. He went before the king. It says, Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah, liar. You didn't find him. Daniel came to you and said, take me to the king, right? But I digress. He says, I found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is it true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Here's where most 15 to 20 years will blow it. I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> the rest of those cracker heads couldn't do it, but I'm your guy. I got this, king. I'm about to show up and show off. Watch this. That's what most 15 to 20 years, I mean, don't we want to be the top? Don't we want to outdo everyone else? That, that's what most people would do in this situation. Like, I'm the only one on earth who has the answer to the question the king is asking? And he says, is it true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? But Daniel replies, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. King, there is no earthly person that can do this. But there is a God in heaven. You know what he's doing here, right? He's exalting God. He's bringing God into the equation. He's bringing God into their, their vision. They're looking for someone to answer the question. He says, there's no one that can do it, but there is a God in heaven. How many of you know, church, there's a God in heaven? How many know the culture that we live in today is looking for answers, and we need to have that same attitude? You know what? I can't do it, but there's a God in heaven who can but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I'm going to go fast here because the purpose of this message is not to get into the, uh, the information of the dream. But in essence, he said, King, you had a dream and you saw a huge statue that kind of freaked you out. And it had a lot of different colors. It was a head of gold and then it had a chest and arms of silver. And after that, it had bronze torso and legs. And then the, the, the bottom of the legs and the feet were clay and, or iron and then clay mixed with iron. And, here, uh, and it was a very frightening sight to see. And then he says, then you saw a stone cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. And, and this stone hit the base of that statue and it crumbled and fell. And like chaff, it was blown away in the wind and it didn't remain any longer. That's the dream. Right? So he tells him what the dream was. And listen, this is very, I think this is so cool. Showing Daniel's humility. He says, that was the dream, verse 36. Now we will tell the king what it means. Who received the interpretation of the dream? Daniel did, right? God gave it to Daniel in the vision, but here he is saying, now we're going to tell you what it means. I love it that he includes his, his bros. Includes his, his, his friends in this. We're going to tell you what it means. Your majesty. He basically goes on to say, you're the golden head. I mean, you've been given all this authority. And if you go on the next chapter, I think it went to his head. And he's like, oh yeah? Let me make a statue. Celebrating who I am. And everybody's going to bow. And we read the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fiery furnace and all that stuff. But he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the gold head. But after your kingdom, there's going to be another kingdom that's going to come. So there's the Babylonian kingdom. And then there's going to be the Medo-Persian kingdom where the Persians are going to come in. And after the Persians, it's going to be Alexander the Great, the Grecian Empire. And after that empire, it's going to be the Romans, and they're going to be in place. And then that, that stone that is cut from a mountain, that become, or that's cut from a mountain, becomes its own mountain, is the kingdom of God that will never be shaken. He revealed to Nebuchadnezzar about a thousand years of world history in advance. This is what's coming. I mean, you know, that's still making an impact on us today because we read 
prophecy and scripture, we're not like going, this is how we know, you know, the, the different kingdoms along the way. And we have history to, to prove that is exactly what happened. How many you know God's the one in control of everything? Nothing escapes his all-seeing eye. And so, so Daniel simply just says, look, it's not me. It's not anything that I did. But King, the, the, the reason is nobody can do it, but there is a God in heaven he can do it. In verse 30, he says, And it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what is in your heart. There's humility. I love that. So what's a safe way to make an impact in an impossible situation? I think it is to seize the moment. It is to have control of your faculties to say, you know what, this is not an opportunity for me to freak out, but it's, it's an opportunity for me to exercise self-control. You know what, there are a lot of people watching. There are a lot of people watching my testimony. And I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to cause them to be alarmed. But I want to I exude faith in this time. Not just when I'm in church, when it's comfortable. But I want to show them what faith looks like, even in the midst of a battle. I want to seize the moment. And I'm going to ask God. You better believe it. I'm going to ask God. Specifically, I'm going to go before him. And I'm going to do more, more than that. I'm going to ask my friends to ask God for me. How many know it's important for us to ask one another, Hey, would you pray for me? I'm going through this. There's power in prayer. And I better learn how to flatter God. I better learn how to give glory and praise to God even in advance of whatever it is he's doing in my life and just say, God, I know that you can and I know that you're in control and I put it in your hands and I just praise you for who you are. I praise you in advance. I display faith. It takes a lot of faith to do that. But then I want to, at some point, I want to put God into the equation. I want to bring his name up and exalt him above our own self but to the top and say he's the only one worthy of praise and honor. And, and you know what? With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. That's why I said at the beginning when I was praying about, about, about sermons, you know, we can come up here and we can craft these sermons that just everything's just beautiful and perfect in, in, in written form, which I'm terrible at, by the way. And we can have what we think is the most powerful presentation of God's word. And without the Holy Spirit's work in that, it's just going to fall flat. It's just nothing more than just cool words. There's power in God's word. Amen? And so to say, God, I can't do this without you. Lord, I'm limited in what I can do. I can't say that. I'm going to blow this. I'm going to mess it up. But, Lord, I know that you're in control. And I want to just exalt you in this situation and say, God, you can. I can't, but you can. To exalt God, Daniel did this. And look at the response quickly. It says in verse 46, we're talking about making an impact, having influence on the ones around us. King Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan king, after Daniel tells him what the dream was and then uh, interprets the dream, the king Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burned sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings and revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Impact. Amen? I mean, don't you know, he hit home with Nebuchadnezzar because he brought God into the equation. He elevated and exalted guys like there is a God in heaven. And then he proved it by allowing himself to be used by God Daniel knew God, and now he's making him known. How I many know that's important for us today in our culture? 
is to know God, but also to make him known. So that other people will know the same God that we know. He's safe from the king's decree. This point says, then he appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, again, not to, to be selfish and not to just stand on his own glory and successes. It says, into Daniel's request, he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also to be in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. He was rewarded, included his friends, he knew God, and he made him known. In short, Daniel responded the way Daniel responded in a hopeless situation with wisdom and faith. He did it because he knew the God of Israel. And I want you to know that that's the most important place to start. We can get in the middle of a situation that seems just overwhelming and impossible and discouraging and hopeless. And if you don't know God, you've got every reason to freak out to worry and to be anxious. And so the, the first and the most important thing that you and I ever could do is to know this God. This God that nothing is impossible for. Amen? And the most important decision we'll make is what do we do with the gospel of Jesus? I hope everyone in this room has taken that step and said, you know what? I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm placing my faith in that today. I believe in God. I know God. And second to that, to say, you know what? But he wants to use me, even in my culture today. He wants to use me to make an impact. I'll remind you, Daniel is 15 to 20 years of age. It would have been easy for him at the beginning of this to go, oh no, I've never interpreted a dream before. I'm not ready. But Daniel, thrown into an impossible situation, goes before God. God gives him the answer to that. He deflects it away from him and says, there's a God in heaven who can. And he does only what God can do. And he made a huge impact on not only King Nebuchadnezzar, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He saved their lives as well as all the astronomers, the magicians in the land. That's a huge impact, right? So do you want to make an impact in your life? Uh, you start first by knowing God. Secondly, you've got to say, you know what? When I'm encountering a situation in the church, it's good. And we can, we can say all the right things. But when I leave the church and I'm in the middle of the battle, I'm in the middle of a, what feels like an impossible situation, in that moment, how do I handle myself? Daniel handled himself with wisdom and discretion that I might also be able to handle myself with wisdom and discretion to know how to approach the situation, to ask God who gives to all men liberally, right? But he says we need to ask without doubting because that's like an unstable person. It's waved, it's tossed back and forth by the, the waves of the sea. We need to ask God, and I believe we need to praise God. We need to flatter God by laying it on thick. God, you're the only one that can. And we recognize the battle that we're in is not our battle. It's your battle. And my only role is to praise you because you're the one that's going to make it work out in an impossible situation. And then for us to not only know God, but to make him known in that situation to say, God, I, I want everybody to know this was by your hand and by your hand only. There's no one that could have done it. It's only by your grace, your favor that you did this. And, and I want that response in the midst of the impossible in my own life to be used by God to influence other people, to make an impact in my culture. I, I said last week, and I believe it, I think God's looking for Daniels in our current culture. I think God's looking for people to stand up and say, you know what, God, I want to take a stand.
but I also want you to use me to make an impact on those around me. Not for my glory, but for your glory. So I'm going to pray and dismiss. And when we dismiss, I'm not going to have David come up and dismiss us today. We've been used to that. But I want to go straight into an invitation and offer you the opportunity to come forward. And you say, Shane, I just need to place my faith in Christ today. I, I, I got questions. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith. Or maybe you're coming and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm really going through some difficult things right now. And this spoke to me. And I just really need some, some prayer. I want to encourage you as we dismiss this morning to come forward. And let us just partner with you in that prayer because we are talking about a God who is so amazing. There's nothing that is too difficult for him. Although we may be able to, to, to sometimes approach him like, well, I don't know about this one. God says, try me. There's nothing too difficult for God. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these just examples in your word that you, you give us. Lord, of people like Daniel who knew how to take a stand and who, who made a huge impact in his culture and those that are around him. And Lord, not only just the people that were in his same faith circle, but Lord, even pagan kings to make an impact. Lord, I know that you've called us also as a salt and the light to make an impact in our culture. Lord, honestly, we have a difficult time making an impact on our culture when we're trying too hard to be like our culture. So, Father, would you just show us where we need to come out from among them and be separate, to be set apart by you to do your will and your work, that you would use our lives and uh, our responses to situations that we go through as a, uh, an impactful event or an influencing um, trait, if you will, for people to just see and respond and be directed to you. And at the end of the day, it's not for our glory. We don't want to pat ourselves on the back and Say, look at me, I overcame this, but Lord, we know and we acknowledge that with man it's impossible. There's nothing that we can do, but with God all things are possible. And so Father, I pray for those that are here today that may not be in a right relationship with you, that today would be the day that they would just trust you with salvation. Because salvation apart from you is impossible. There's nothing that we can do as man to make us right with you. We can't live good enough. We can't give enough. We, we can't be holy enough. It, it's impossible with man. Father, you've made it possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that today would be the day that they take that step in trusting you for salvation. Lord, for the rest of us that are out there living it every day, God, that we would be reminded that there are eyes that are watching and there's opportunities every day for us to influence culture around us for us to influence and impact those that are around us that we would live our lives in such a way father that um, you would use us to make a difference in someone else's life that we would know you and make you known that we would exalt you and point the, the finger to you deflect the attention from us and say it's not me but it's God who did it father that we would honor you and praise you in our lives and point people to you lord to be that light that's up on a pedestal for the whole world to see, especially in the culture that we live in today. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name, amen.